by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. There was a man sitting on his front porch one day, just looking out over his front yard, and come a little boy running down the sidewalk. He didn't think nothing about it until he, he came back from the same direction again, running down the sidewalk. And then about five times, the little boy comes from the same direction. He said, like, what is he doing? He finally stops the little boy and says, hey, what are you doing? The little boy says, I'm running away from home. He said, but you're going around the same block. And the little boy says, yeah, but my mama won't let me cross the street. <laughs> That's like us, and we think we're running away from home, and God's in control the whole time. <laughs> Jesus told a story about a little boy that ran away from home. Maybe he wasn't a little boy. Maybe he's a little older. He was called, you may know him as the prodigal son. And uh, this young man, he, he was living in the father's house. And his father had means, and the father's had everything that he needed to take care of that son. He should have been loving his life, but he said, you know what? I want my inheritance now. And so the father, he had two sons, and he divided the inheritance. He went ahead and gave it to them. He gave them what they wanted. You know God will let you do what you want to do? He gave them the inheritance and the younger son, he got a portion of land, and he went and sold it. And he took the money, and he went off to a far land and began riotous living. Now, the point I want to make is that he sold his father's kingdom out. He said, I'm going to live somewhere else besides the kingdom. I'm going to turn it into worldly mammon, money, and I'm going to party it up. And that's what we do when we run from the Father's house. We sell away the kingdom of God. Some people say, well, you know, my life don't, if I run from God, it's not hurting anybody else but me, and I'm willing to pay that price. No, you just sold off some of the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God. And we need you to help advance it. Don't sell your portion. And be yucking it up with the world. You know what happened. Pretty soon that didn't work out. There was a drought out there in the world. And the man couldn't eat. He had spent up all his money. And now nobody, nobody's paying his bills. And he had to get a job working with a pig farmer. Pretty soon he's looking at the pig pods thinking, hmm, I sure would like to eat some of those. But the world wouldn't even give him the pig pods. And he said, you know what, I'm just going to go home. Even the servants in my father's house eat well. And so he rehearsed a big old speech about, you know, Dad, I'm not worthy, like we was talking about. You know, we, we feel like we're not worthy. We've made mistakes. That's what I was talking about earlier. The Lord was saying, I know you've made mistakes, 
And we just look at ourselves, I'm not worthy to come home. Just make me a servant. But the father was looking for him before he even got there. He saw him from a long way off and he ran to him. And that's what I want to get across to you today. The father wants to run to you. All you got to do is just turn your direction. He's already waiting on you just to turn. And he ran to him. He put the robe of righteousness back on his shoulders, the signet ring back on his finger, new shoes of purpose. He said, kill the fatted calf. We're going to party. And that's the way a Christian should live. We should live in the party. And we've been talking about living the resurrected life, living the kind of Christian life that God sent his son to die for us to live. Right? Why should we live less than? Why should we not walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God, of God's house? But the, the prodigal son's brother, man, he didn't live it. He didn't leave. But he didn't live the resurrected life in the Father's kingdom. A lot of people today, you know, they go to church but they live beat down lives. And so they stay angry. And then if they see somebody else capitalizing on the mercy and grace of God, and, and you think, well, they don't deserve it. Well, who are we to say somebody doesn't deserve to live in the mercy and grace of God? And why aren't you living the resurrected life, my brother? Well, what did the prodigal son learn from his escape to the world? Well, he learned that choices have consequences. And he learned that the father's merciful too, didn't he? But the point I want to get to today is that the farther you are from the father, the lesser the life. That you will have. The farther you get from the Father, the lesser the life that you will have. Today's message is entitled Proximity to Life. I looked up the word proximity, and it means nearness in space, time, or relationship. Do you know that God wants you in his space? He wants to spend all his time with you, and he wants to be in a, in a tight relationship. And I'm, I'm going to say it again. The farther you are from the Father, the lesser the life. If you're not in proximity of the Father, you're not going to enjoy the things of the kingdom. Deuteronomy 30, 15, Moses was telling the people, and boy, he dealt with some knuckleheads in his time, didn't he? Just like we do today. He said, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice. Say a choice. That's really what everything in your life boils down to, isn't it? Choices have consequences. You are right now sitting in that purple chair a result of the choices that you have made in your life. I'm just glad you made the choice to be here with us today. You must be making some right choices. Amen? Amen. He said, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life 
and death between prosperity, that sounds good, and disaster, which doesn't sound very good. And what was he basically telling them that they need to do? He's saying, stay close to God. He's practically begging them, please, just walk with God. Don't go out there on your own. Don't worship the world's idols. Stay close to God. Because every choice that you make in your life is either leading you closer to God, to life, closer proximity to God, or it's leading you away. Every choice. Are you listening? Even little choices. Even little foxes spoil the vine. Those little choices that you make over and over again, if you know they're leading you away from God, then you need to cut them off. Because they'll add up. The world has nothing to offer you. I know some of you young people in here, you're saying, oh boy, I want everything the world has for me. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I'm sure some of these people who've experienced what the world has to offer, they would agree with me. No, you really don't want what the world has to offer. The only thing the world will, you'll end up with in the world is some pig pods. You'll find yourself in the pig pen and you'll be just wishing I could go back to the Father's house. How do I live in close proximity to life? How do I do it? Show me the way, Pastor. Well, I got good news. Jesus will show you the way. He said, I am the way. You want to live life? I am the way. And that's the truth. Because I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's all three. He said, you won't never even know the Father unless you come to me. You can't have the Father. Father is life. I am life. And you won't experience life without me. 1 John 5, 11 says, this is what God has testified. That he has given us eternal life, praise God. And this life is in his Son. Let's just get honest about it. Let's just break it down. I just like to make things simple. I don't know about you. We could go around. We could preach against sin. We could talk all these things. But what you really need to know is your choice is going to matter. Are you choosing to be closer to life? Or are you choosing to be closer to death? Are you choosing and understanding that life is in Jesus? Why does every teenager seem to have to go away from the church when they leave, when they leave, when they grow up? Do they, must they go find out the hard way? Must they take their inheritance now and sell off their part of the kingdom, a part of their life that they could have used to, to advance the kingdom? They've, they've traded it in for riotous living. Why must our teenagers leave the church? This life is in the Son. And whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. What do they have? <laughs> Just a dwindling charge in a fading old earth suit. You know, if you're not born again and the Spirit of God is not on the inside of you, you just got you're just like a an old radio with some batteries in it. And when those batteries run down, you're, you're disposable. You're going to be chunked in the garbage. 
you better hook up to a source. You better hook up to life, a continual, an everlasting, eternal life. You better hook up. You say, but I'm, I'm alive. What do you mean I'm alive? You just on a dwindling charge. And some of us just getting older realize how dwindling it is. This earth suit is fading away. What's that scripture? Though my outward man perishes, my inward man is being renewed every day. I got the charge. Look at your neighbor and say, I got a charge you don't know about. I'm hooked up to life. Hmm. And what is what is death? I've said I say this all the time. Death is simply separation from life. It's like darkness is separation from light. And how did death come to the earth? Through sin. We were not made to die. Sin entered in and death came into the human equation. But God had a plan and his name was Jesus. He sent his only begotten son to breach the gap between holy God and sinful man. To repair the bridge, so to speak. In Psalms 116, 15, it says the Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. I often use that in funerals that I preach. You know, he's, he doesn't consider it a light thing when somebody passes from this life to the next. But, because he knows the hurt of those of us left behind. Even if we know that person went to heaven, right? There's still a hurt that death brings to our hearts. What made Jesus cry? We see Jesus got angry about several things, you know, in his earthly ministry that the Bible tells us. But I only see where he wept one time. And that was in John chapter 11, after Lazarus, his friend, had died. And it says that Jesus wept. It says that Jesus groaned in the spirit. It was like, ah. I mean, he didn't want to be at a funeral. He usually raised him from the dead, didn't he? Jesus didn't like funerals. And he saw that tomb, and he talk, heard him talking about a stench, and he saw the sisters arguing and, and saying, if you'd have been here, they're blaming Jesus. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But where were you is basically what they were saying to him. And he saw all the professional weepers and everybody and all the whole mourning system, and it just disgusted him. And he groaned in the spirit. And it says he wept. He wasn't weeping because Lazarus died because he knew he was just fixing to raise Lazarus from the tomb. He was weeping over the effects of sin and death on, on mankind. What it puts us through. The heartbreak and the heartache. Sin is no little thing. It's not. In your life or for mankind as a whole, sin is wicked and evil. And the devil's not some little guy with a tail and a pitchfork that tells jokes, you know. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's all he does is lie. 
and deceive. He wants to destroy you. And Jesus hates death. What does death look like in our lives? Well, for the prodigal son, it looked like living apart from God's guidance. What does it look like in your life? When you don't ask God what you should do and you make wrong decisions, right? When, when you live apart from his provision, you never have enough, you're just barely making it by, you're living apart from God's protection. You know, we're supposed to live under the shadow of the Almighty. He says, I'll gather you like a, a hen gathers her chicks. I'll put you under my arms. You'll seek ye first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. I'll make sure everything is provided for you. I will take care of you. But when we, oh, but when we got to have our inheritance now, we decide the things of the world are more important than the things of God, the things of this kingdom, or have a stronger pull than the kingdom of God. We go off and, and we, we sell our stuff. We sell our part in the kingdom of God, and we begin riotous living. And we say, oh, it, it tickles my flesh. Yes, sin is pleasurable for a moment, but there's a hook in it. And that hook will pull you down into a pit. The wages of sin is death. And he's pulling you down with it. And you know, somebody within the sound of my voice may be living in sin. And you keep trying to tell yourself. You keep trying to justify. But man, I got to have this. This is the way it's got to be. I enjoy my sin. I, I you don't know what it would be like to be free. You know, there's people in penitentiaries right now that's been there for 20 years, and if you were to let them out on parole, they wouldn't want to go. This is my new life now. I feel comfortable in here. I know people. I know a guy that got let out. He went and committed a crime so he could go back in. He, he was more comfortable in prison than he was in life. And some of us are living in death, making sinful choices, and we know it, but we won't let go because we don't trust that God has something better, but he does. It's living for your flesh and not letting the Spirit have his ways, building our kingdom and not building the kingdom of God, taking our inheritance now like the prodigal son. But it's also like living like the prodigal son's brother. You know why some churches are dead? Because it's filled with dead people. They may be serving in the church. The prodigal son's brother, he served in the father's house. He said, I've always served you. I've done exactly what you said. But he didn't understand what the benefits of the living in the father's house. The father said, you could have, you could have always had the the fatted lamb. You could have always had a party, but you didn't come to me. You didn't ask for it. You just wanted to be a servant in the house and not a son. And we need to understand the grace and the mercy of God and walk in it. That we have been made children of the king. Princes and princesses. God Almighty. You know, death and life are contrasted in darkness and light, right? 
Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But you'll have the light of what? Life. Darkness and light are contrasted in light and dark. Death and life are contrasted in the flesh and the spirit. In John 6, 63, it says it is the spirit, capital spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. And Jesus said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. This right here is your life. This is your instruction manual to life. Build your life according to this. <laughs> and death and life are contrasted in proximity. In our proximity. Matthew 15, 18. With a heavy heart, Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're not close to me. Their hearts are far from me. Yes, they go to church. They sing the songs. They work. They serve. But their hearts are not with me. They don't really believe what the pastor preaches. They don't really pray. They don't really seek my word and seek my way. They don't really care about the kingdom business. Their hearts are far from me. Do you know that you can serve your whole life in the church and get on judgment day and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you? But I did all this, I, I prophesied. I went on the outreach, Jesus. But your heart was never mine. I never knew you because you never knew me. Oh, but with proximity. With proximity comes fresh perspective. With closeness with God, you get a new angle on life. You get to see the big picture. You get to soar on wings as eagles high above things and see it from a fresh perspective. You're not like a chicken pecking around in the dust, caged, never getting anywhere. That's what it's like to live like the world lives. Oh, I can't wait till Friday. You're living for Friday. What's Friday? They're going to throw some more chicken feed in there and you're going to peck it up? That's what you're living for. I'm trying to get you to see from a new perspective, God offers life. And your proximity to God gives you a fresh perspective on your life. We must elevate our hearts to where Christ is. In Colossians 3, verse 1, let's look at that. Colossians 3, verse 1. Anybody encouraged that God loves you today? Man. I think if, if we'd get a better revelation of his love, his grace, and his mercy, we'd be shouting louder than we do. I think we got a, got a better revelation than most churches, but I think it can get better from here. I think it can get better and better and better. 
All right, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Colossians 3 says, Since you have been raised to your new life, have you been raised to your new life? Where's that life? With Christ. Set your sights on the reality of heaven. Where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. You see, our Lord is large and he is in charge. Think not about the things, uh, think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. For you died to this life. You remember that? When you, when you made Jesus Lord, you remember when you were buried in baptism? You died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. We keep coming back to that scripture. I didn't know God was putting together a sermon series because I've been doing them one at a time, but for three or four weeks now, we've been coming back to this scripture. Your real life is hidden with Christ and God, and when Christ, who is your life? So do you have life without Christ? Can you have life? You have a fading charge in a fading earth suit. You have the pig pen. But when Christ, who is your life, is revealed the whole world, to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. When all this is said and done, it's going to get better for those who trust in Christ. You think it can be good down here? You think what it's going to be. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. You know, some people, they just content to live for the almighty dollar. But Jesus said you can't love God and mammon at the same time. You can't love God and money at the same time. Money is not a bad thing. It's just a tool. But when you love it, you have idolized money. When you live for it, you have decided not to live for Christ. This is death, my friends. Living in sexual immorality and lust and pleasures of this life. Because of these th sins... We don't call them sins anymore. We call them addictions and pro my little problems. And Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Well, you said, I, I thought the anger of God was poured out on Jesus. It was for the believer. But for those who have rejected Christ, the anger of God is going to be poured out on your sins. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage. See, all those things make you a man. Living in the pig pen ain't a happy place. Malicious behavior, slander. You start talking about folks like the brother of the prodigal son. Dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and with all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. When you know him, when you walk with him, he begin to rub off on you, you see? Some of us just want to live good. I want to be a good person. 
Apart from Christ, you can't be. You can't be. But when you're renewed, as you learn to know your creator, then you become like him. In this, new, in this new life, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, bar, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. <laughs> and he lives in all of us talking to believers. Christ is all that matters. I've preached this same message every Sunday for, since I've been pastor. <laughs> Christ is all that matters. He is life. Anything to do with sin is walking away from life. Sin separates. Sin separates you from life. So put it under the blood and come right back. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, God is faithful to forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It's a wonderful way to live. The reason why some of us don't understand God's mercy is because we won't let him be merciful to us. Like I said earlier, when we sin, we run from God. When we sin, we beat ourselves up and we live under condemnation. And I said, when we sin, there's none among us that's righteous. No, not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The reason I know God's mercy is because I have sinned and I've beat myself up with condemnation for so long, I just... I just had to say, God, if your word is true, I just got to believe it because I can't live my life under this weight. Because I know you're a holy God and I know I'm a sinful man and I can't live my life under the weight of condemnation. I have to trust your word that you forgive me when I ask for forgiveness and I have to put it behind me under the blood and move on. I couldn't stand up here and preach any Sunday that I've ever preached if I couldn't put the... I couldn't apply the blood to my life, you understand. And you'll not be, and you'll not live in the life that God has for you until condemnation is from the devil. You understand that, right? There is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk in Christ Jesus. I don't know why the Lord keeps coming back there, but he does. But Christ is all that matters. And he is infinitely forgiving. He explained that to Peter when Peter says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Jesus is the vine. And we are the branches. And when we stay hooked up with life in close proximity, when we're hooked into the, to the vine, guess what? His life-giving spirit, his, the juice of the vine flows through me. I'm hooked up to the life source. His presence is illuminating my soul. I begin to reflect the glory of God. You know if God can make a bug's butt glow, he can make you glow? Let me ask you a question now. When your butt bumps into somebody else, do you leave a residue of glow or do you leave a residue of something else? 
When somebody comes in contact with you, do they feel the glory of God or do they feel, oh, Lord, they're going to tell me all their sicknesses and diseases again. They're going to tell me how miserable their life is again. They're not walking in the glory. They're not walking in life. They're not walking with Jesus. I can tell their words betray them out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth leaks. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. But what changes can we make today? What changes can we make in our life today? What things are we doing? What decisions, what choices are we making that's leading us away from God? We can cut those off. You can always do the right thing. It's never too late to do the right thing. I see some people thinking, that's good. God always brings us to the valley of decision. He wants you to make some choices today. He wants you to say, God, I realize you are my life. That Jesus is all that matters. And I'm going to start reading my Bible again. I'm going to start having a prayer time. I'm going to get involved in the church. I'm going to give you something to work with, God. That's what he's looking for. Give him something to work with and watch what he does. Take a step toward God and watch what he do. He's never once let me down. Prodigals, God's got a better way. 1 Timothy 4.12, we're about to close. Then we're going to take communion together if I can close in the next few minutes. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. He's talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. He tells him, Be an example to all believers in what you say, what comes out of that mouth, in the way that you live, and in your love, your faith, and your purity. That's when the glow begins to rub off. When people get in your presence because of what you say, how you live, how you love, the faith that you have, and the purity in which you stand. He says, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. In other words, be involved in the church some kind of way. Encouraging the believers. Live in fellowship with other believers. Encouraging one another. So much more as we see the day approaching. And teaching them. And then do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. You see, spiritual men of God had laid hands on Timothy and prophesied over him. And I think some of you have been prophesied over so many times you can't remember all the things, good things that God promised you, but you never walked in. Give your attention to these matters, he said. Don't just take it lightly. When God speaks over you, when God touches your heart, act on it before you lose it. Use your head. Don't lose your head. No, I don't know where that came from. Okay. <clears throat> Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the task so that everyone sees your progress. See, that's how you be an encouragement to somebody else. They see you're making progress, and they want to make some too. What are you doing different? Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right. 
for the sake of your own salvation and for the salvation of those who hear you. See, your life does matter in other people's lives. You're either advancing the kingdom of God or you're selling it off for riotous living. You're either advancing or you're retreating. You're walking in the light or you're walking in the dark. You're walking close with Jesus or you're walking far apart. It matters. When I first got saved, this was the first scripture that I ever remember jumping off the page and touching me because somebody had prophesied over me. And I said, yeah, it made me feel like God wants to use me. And I said, I need to pay attention to that. I need to make my life count because it's not just about me. It's about my salvation, walking out my salvation, but the salvation of others. My life directly affects the salvation of someone else. God has put me on this earth. There's people that need to to see me. They need to read me like the Bible. They need to see Jesus walking in my life. And my life, when I do these things, will lead someone else to salvation. That's what Jesus likes. Jesus was set in his mission when he was on the earth. He told them over and over, he told the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He told them at least three times. And one time Peter says, no, Lord, this shall never happen. And Jesus rebuked Peter. He said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He called him a name. He says, because you're thinking about the things of this world and not the things of God. This is why I'm here, baby. This is what I came to do. I came to give up this earthly life so that we can all live resurrected lives. And you're not stopping me from my task. This is what I'm going to do. You go tell that fox Herod that I'll be preaching the gospel today, tomorrow, and the next day. And on the third day, I'm getting up again. He said, that's what I'm going to do. I know what I was called for. I know in whom I believe. And you couldn't stop Jesus. And he, he was willing to lay down his life for us to live the resurrected life. And it sure would be a shame if we just limped through. Sure would be a shame if we sold it all for a riotous living or we lived in the house and didn't really live the resurrected life. Wouldn't it be a shame? Moses said in Deuteronomy 30, 19, Today I've given you choices between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choices that you make. And everybody sees the choices that you make. But oh, that you would choose life. And it is a choice. That you would choose life so that you and your family, your friends, your co-workers, so that you and your descendants might live. And this life is only found in the proximity of Christ. Some of you, I see you running around the block. <laughs> You're about to own the fifth time around. <laughs> What are you doing, boy? I'm running away from home. Are you really? Well, how come you're still on the block? 
Because deep down in your heart, you know daddy told you don't cross that street. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't know daddy said don't cross that street. You can pretend like you're running away, but you're just wearing yourself out. You're just going around in circles. Don't do that. I got a better idea. Come home and listen to daddy. Because my, my guidance, my provision will bring life. And that's what God wants to say to all you prodigals. Come home. And all you prodigal brothers living in the house but not truly living. Jesus says, I died to give you a resurrected life. Bow your head and close your eyes. If there's anybody in here that doesn't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to be forgiven of your sins. You're ready to turn from your sins. You're ready to turn from that life. It's called repentance. You're, you have repentance in your heart. You don't want to live like that. You want eternal life. You want to follow Jesus. You know he is Lord. And you would say today, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to forgive me. I trust in you. I believe in who you are. I believe that you're God's son. And you came to die on the cross for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Anybody in here? I see that hand. I see that hand. More hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pray with me right now. Say, God, forgive me of sin. I give you my life. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I want to walk with you. You are my life from this point forward. I want to live the resurrected life. And I trust in you to give it to me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. The power to overcome sin. And to make good choices. So that I may walk in the light. As you are in the light. I want to be with you. For all of eternity. In Jesus name. Amen. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.